0: peace as alaikum. what's up tea time fam thank you for tuning into season one of tea time podcast this is the final episode yes this is episode 15 the last episode i did want to leave you all on a very positive note and that note is healing we all need it But especially when it comes to the world of social media, the world of news, all of this media that we constantly have surrounding us and plaguing our brains with bad news or stressful news, I wanted to speak to that. Does this cause trauma? And if it does, and even if it's not trauma but it causes just some bad feelings on the inside, how can we heal from that every day? What can we put into practice in our own lives to heal from the trauma or the pain caused by social media and media that surrounds us every single day, 24 seven. I hope you all enjoy this episode. I definitely will. And we have a wonderful guest. We have Dr. Monique Swift, aka my mom. She is a private practicing psychologist with a PsyD. Shout out to her. She is our guest here so that we can have some professional advice when it comes to self-healing and what we can do at home in order to relieve the effects of the constant media that we have plaguing our brains. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for tuning in and I'm glad to leave you on a positive note. Peace, Assalamualaikum. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Podcast. As you know, we're here to talk about healing. So I'd like to introduce my guest, Dr. Monique Swift. Go ahead and introduce yourself, ma'am. Hello, Tea Time audience. Peace, everyone. Assalamualaikum,
1: family. Um, I'm Monique Swift, Muhammad, and um, I guess you want me to go into what I do.
0: Yeah. Okay. What do you do? Who are
1: you? <laughs> okay. So, professionally, I am a psychologist. I have a private practice. That's My work is a private practice. I work exclusively with adults. Um, I don't work with children any longer. And in addition to... That's a, actually a smaller piece of my work. I... was am looking at you, right? You don't have to. Oh. <laughs> I additionally... Um, do consulting work where, which kind of calls me to mostly uh, do presentations, trainings, workshops, things of that nature. Uh, Sometimes groups I do with people to, for whatever purpose, but most of my work in the consultant arena has been in the area of trauma.
0: So, unprofessionally, she's my mom. As you can see, we kind of look alike. Kind of. So I'm glad she gave her, um, what do you call it? Credentials so that you can trust the information that she'll give here today. But I wanted to talk about healing. Um, this being episode 15, the last episode of season one of my podcast. Shout out to everyone who's followed. Um, I wanted to leave it on a positive note. I wanted to end this with something that you can listen to multiple times, get some tips and ideas from so that you can take ideas and carry them into practice in your own life. So Tea time Podcast left you with something positive that you can practice to do at home. Um, No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk one more time about my mom. What made you decide to get into the field of mental health? So I was originally aiming, like yourself,
1: to be a teacher. I was an undergrad at Rutgers, and I was going ahead in the direction of, you know, going into education. I was applying for the alternate route program um, to be a teacher in New Jersey, and in the interim, I was... I was a uh, substitute teacher. I got a job as a substitute teacher, to, you know, get my feet wet and make money and so forth. And um, it was in the process of teaching that I discovered, similar to yourself, that I keep on wanting, like, I, I was inclining toward the student more on a a psychological level, on a personal level. I would recognize the student that appeared to be despondent, that appeared to be, you know, the one that was quiet sitting in the corner, the one that was unkempt, the one that didn't really, um, you know, maybe acting out, trying to be a clown. Like, what's going on? And trying to understand behavior, trying to touch and connect with the, the young people based upon what I was seeing. So I just found myself more drawn to that uh, type of interaction. Um, I still love teaching. I loved it then and I still do love it. Um, and that's probably why I do a lot of workshops and facilitation, but um, I definitely have to have that element of like, you know, dealing with the person. I have to have that in there and that's why I, uh, went that route That's where I discovered my inclination And then carried it through And pursued
0: education in that arena mm. So what do you think You said you discovered your inclination What is, is that your purpose Did you find purpose in being a mental um, Health what? professional Instead of just a teacher Absolutely okay.
1: So that's a good way You put it actually um, Teaching was Something I thought about I'm doing it was here. I Figured I would like it. It was something I contrived, but Definitely counseling being a therapist psychologist. That is a calling there's that there's I definitely have purpose in that arena um, And so there therein is the difference
0: mm-hmm. Do you regret not going straight to college to be a psychologist? Um, no,
1: I, I didn't go straight to college for people that don't know. I mean, I went to college, but I didn't go straight to grad school, um, to be a psychologist. I, um, I don't regret it in one respect. When I did go to grad school, the, for my doctorate, what was different between me and other people who actually had gone straight was that I had really a wealth of experience to draw from and expand. Like It wasn't all just theory and idea for me. It was really, for me, it was I had already practiced. I had already kind of walked the walk. And so I knew I was really honing and fine-tuning something that I already had in my hands. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, kind of like shaping something in my mind and then getting ready to jump in the pool later. So it, it really made a difference on that respect. So I don't regret it. And then the other pieces that I had you... Mm-hmm. And your sisters. <laughs> so that's what I was doing in the interim. So no regrets.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So moving on to the next question. Do you believe that everyone should see a therapist at one point in their life? Why or why not? <laughs> that's an interesting
1: question because, in honesty, um, I, I have not been to therapy <laughs> before. However, I'm going to say um, I am very pro-therapy probably obviously I am pro-therapy I believe in therapy I think it's helpful and I would recommend everybody you know etch that time out and do some self-exploration Help. Now, the caveat is um, well let me back up like even in, in when you go to school there's some programs that actually require that you have therapy as you're going through the program mm-hmm. um, I think there are probably many therapists who is a part of their professional development they go to to therapy Um, I don't, I haven't been in therapy, I haven't had that, felt that, actually I did do some marital therapy at one point, um, it was just like two or three sessions, it wasn't much, um, but nonetheless, I, the, the caveat that I want to assert is that therapy doesn't always have to happen in this professional way, in a professional setting, in um a way that is prescribed mm. i truly believe i have certainly had which is why i think i don't or haven't gone to therapy there are informal ways that people do the same work mm-hmm. maybe in you know people go to church and they talk to their pastors or talk to each other. for me i have a very good friend my good friend Nikki, And she is, like, one conversation with her is worth a thousand therapy sessions. And so when you, you know, have those informal supports, I think those count too. Um, And so we, especially black people, because we don't believe in therapy. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I think sometimes that closes us off to the whole idea of self-exploration self and, uh, you know, critical analysis of self and all of that because we're thinking maybe that happens in therapy, but we can do that with one another. It doesn't have to be you pay some money, somebody sits and say, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. So, um, but to answer your question, that was a long answer. The short answer <laughs> is, um, yeah, that, you know, I do believe everybody should take that time. I think it, it could be
0: worthwhile, um, whether yeah. it's professional therapy or, or cons- counseling from a friend or yep. a mentor. Yeah, it
1: doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to. You don't have to go to an
0: office. Well, I'm glad you brought up black people because that led me to a question that I had while you were speaking. Uh, most of my audience, they're women, probably black women. The people who have reached out to me are um, black people. So for Black women and black men, like you said, we have like a stigma in our community where one, we don't speak openly about mental health. Two, we um, are opposed to professional health when it comes to mental health. And three, we kind of just don't focus on it in our lives. We focus on a lot of work and we don't take time to mentally get through the stress. We may take pills. We may do this. um, We may go party, drink liquor, but we don't sit with the stress that we have and try to mentally heal ourselves from it so true um and especially when it comes to the professional realm which is why i kind of wanted to have a self-healing topic in this um although it's important i think to be open to the idea of professional help when you need it just to give an example since a lot of us are you know shy about our um dealings with a therapist i'll give my story you know about when i saw a therapist in high school wasn't a great experience (laughs) then it's not this is not a story to try to stop you from going to a yeah to this is not to stop you from going to a therapist or seeking professional help but you know that my um, therapist that I had in high school uh, I won't name names but it was not a great experience it was a funny experience instead of me getting a lot of help um, with the emotions that I had for myself in high school, I got a lot of help understanding this therapist's family <laughs> issues, the same family issue, in the same story, in the same moment, from the same person <laughs> in his family. So, um, you know, some of us may have tried that professional help and it didn't work well. That doesn't mean that you should stop. And, and especially for our black community, it doesn't mean that you should you should be shy, you should be bashful. You, you should own any any issue that you have you should own it especially when it comes to stress and mental issues because we know that stress plagues our communities to the point where it kills us the number one killer of black people is not black on black crime but it's heart conditions it's heart failure Mm -hmm. which is directly linked and connected to stress um yeah so i want us to be able to tackle these mental stresses and issues that we may have in every direction because it's very important Um, The issues that I had back then that I was going to therapy for, I found ways in my (laughs) life as I've grown up to deal with it um, with myself, with friends, seeking counseling and other people and mentors. Um, So it's important to, you know, accept the issues and the stresses that we do have. But we do need to seek help, whether professionally or whether from a friend, mentor, etc. Or podcasts like I have. Agreed. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> you didn't have to pay for
0: that didn't have to pay exactly <laughs> at all did not there's actually a, a black therapist I forget her name but black women's therapy uh, podcast you can just type in black women's therapy podcast and probably find it on um, Spotify that I subscribe to I'll listen to a couple episodes but very good but the best therapist I've had from a podcast was Oprah's super soul conversations um, really? it's Oprah's super soul conversations are perfect because she's a great interviewer. I'm not a huge fan, fan of Oprah. I've said it before. Um, but her interview skills are on point, top notch. And the people that she has connections to and she's able to bring onto the show have amazing stories, <laughs> have amazing experiences, and are very highly intelligent in the field that they do and often have books. Um, so listening to her super soul conversations have led to a lot of reality checks for me. Um, and have relieved a lot of stresses in a very stressful time in my life, financially, um, and with my confidence, and a whole bunch of things. So podcasts Gotta are definitely it, it. Yeah, check it out for sure. But I do. Do you have any resources? Because I've speakin- spoken a lot about black women, but to my audience out there who are black men or men, um, what what kind of resources do you have for them, whether professionally or professionally? Um, In their personal life, non-professionally, because black men, I feel like they have a harder time of kind of addressing the stresses in their life. Yeah. That's a
1: tough one. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Being both women. (laughs) That's tough. I mean, I I don't necessarily specialize in I mean, I do more specialize in women's issues than men's issues, but... Um, I just, I live with a man and <laughs> I interact with men and I see men and, and if our men, it, they're in, um, psychologically, um, they have been bruised, they've been battered, they've been, you know, stripped, they've been emasculated, you know, so it, it they're working a lot of times, I'm talking about on the emotional, psychological level. At a deficit. Mm. Um, and anytime that emotional, psychological space has been fractured in a way that it has been for our men, but us as well, not just them, of course, um, you know, it, it causes behaviors, it causes interactions, it causes defenses that tend to be very dysfunctional. Mm. And so um, I we do look at a lot of our men um, and we see some of these dysfunction we see men who don't want to feel who kind of shut down in, on their emotional side we look at men who uh, you know are struggling to kind of uh, understand who they are in the identity of the person they're portrayed as one way in society and um, often that portrayal is very negative um, but they don't want to see themselves as negative. But anyway, I'm kind of getting away from the point. But your question is um, advice and so on. So I, I was um, recently um, became acquainted with someone who is a black male who's doing some phenomenal work mm-hmm. um, in the city of Patterson. And, um, but he's a, he's a mental health,
0: mm-hmm.
1: mental uh, licensed, I believe he's a licensed mental health uh, worker but he um, also is a specialist in, in yoga and meditation. And, mm. and I thought that was fascinating because a lot of black men don't incline toward meditation. They think it's weak. They think, no, nah, you know, I don't do that. We don't do that. And so um, I think one of the things as it, ta- as it relates to our men is helping them to break through that, Barrier, because the one thing that they hide behind, I think, our men more than anything, is that image of I'm a strong man, and you know, there's nothing weak about me. I have no weakness, and nothing that looks weak. I don't want to be associated with anything that looks weak, mm-hmm. and so you know, <laughs> um, it's it's this mindset. I think that really handcuffs them from. First, being able to recognize vulnerabilities, sore spots, and then also enacting in ways to heal Mm -hmm. those vulnerabilities and sore spots. So I think for our men, the big piece is kind of letting the guard down a little and looking at what's what's there and being honest and candid with yourself about it. Mm
0: -hmm. I think, I'm glad you brought up uh, the yoga and meditation for black men. Uh, My experiences with friends once... The black men once they try meditation they're like oh my god wow and you know men are very physical so things like yoga and meditation I think they're very important they're good for women we enjoy it of course but for men um, to perform something like yoga and meditation um, even sports a lot of men use that as therapy Um, so I think just the fact that you know black men like you said that therapist in um, Patterson black men to be able to do something physically to address their stress because that's yes. what meditation is you literally physically bring up your stress and release it when you meditate um that is really important even i kind of wanted to highlight this too rizza part of wu-tang clan the founder of the wu-tang clan Riza released a guided meditation that you can get really? on spotify you can stream it yeah he's 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 the doing the yeah wow. he's the voice of the meditation because that's, that's his big. thing. That's is, how he made himself. Is so. that
1: known? Is that popular?
0: Um, uh, I think. think in the for people who follow like who follow hip hop instead of rap, for like probably my age, black men, um, a little older, um, I think but they. Know.
1: Those are the images. That if we saw that more, particularly our younger ones, mm-hmm. if they saw that more, I think it would make it more acceptable. Yeah, I mean, heck, they're wearing dresses. Because they're seeing people wear dresses, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who'd have thunk? But anyway,
0: <laughs> you get my point. Yes. <laughs> but exactly. I think physical um, stress relievers for men are definitely critical. Um, even with, you know, they took down the basketball hoops at parks because of coronavirus. I think that was a big thing. Like, you, hmm. you took high school students out of high school. They couldn't go anywhere. And then you took away the basketball hoops, which I understand coronavirus was a critical thing, but for some reason the tennis nets were still up, so mm. people could go play tennis. We know what type of people typically play tennis. So, I think it's very important. Um, and people go just shoot one t- one person
1: on their yeah. own. Well,
0: I, I didn't even notice that. I mm-hmm. didn't know notice that. The hoops are back up. I saw it at the park today, so go out there if you play basketball or you just want to be out and active go out there and do that um social distance still keep your groups limited um but the um action of physically being able to play sports especially for black men and young boys i think is very critical so the fact that meditation and yoga is becoming popular for men my age and all of that i think is very critical and important and you can do that at home by yourself do a yoga routine on youtube listen to riz's meditation i highly suggest it i did it his is all about success um so that's critical especially for black men today
1: i think another i mean in terms of image too i think another reason why black men and some it's just black people in general don't incline toward yoga and things although it has is becoming more popular now but i think that type of lifestyle if you will that type of activity has Mm. always been marketed to the middle class or upper class white woman
0: yeah yeah that's facts
1: and so like (laughs) that's the people that you think that's that's for them Mm -hmm. and you don't think about it is for you so i Mm. think that's another thing but the more we're seeing you know and i'm seeing studios black people open up you know yoga studios Mm. and meditation places all over and so it is like coming up now in our community and, and the thing is, too, and I was having a conversation with someone else about it, you know, they do such a job on us because yoga, meditation has deep roots in African tradition. Yes. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I remember and we I learned think that. it's theirs mm-hmm. or we think it's from, you know, Asians, but it's ours. Mm-hmm. We brought yeah. it to the world. Mm-hmm. And so they have taken what we had and what we brought and kind of made it. It doesn't even feel like ours anymore. Mm-hmm. We we look at it as theirs. So anyway, that's it's just such a twist to
0: that. But mm-hmm. that's real. I mean, I I remember the first time I was introduced to yoga. It's you used to go to Westfield, which is a white neighborhood here in Jersey. You go to Westfield to do it. Metuchen to do that <laughs> stuff. Yes. You don't you can't do it right there's in a black in Studio in Broadway now. Just <laughs> oh, the is there a black one? some? There's a
1: sister who's a, I was told she's an actress. She's on some popular thing. I don't know who she is. But she has a studio She's right in Beyonce Broadway. or something. I looked her up. I just haven't gone yet.
0: It's <laughs> not Beyonce. It. <laughs> I don't know I don't her someone that is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's that's good. We'll have to check that out in Rawway. Um, but yeah, the now things are opening up in Newark where you have studios and that's a popular yeah. thing. So it's positive and we're reclaiming what is ours. Um, go mm-hmm. ahead. I'm sorry. Go Just ahead.
1: another reference in Newark, since you mentioned Newark. Uh, I was recently uh, told that Newark uh, there's a group called Newark Community Street Team who are mm. they go out into the community and they help community. These are people who have themselves been in jail or not all, but some been in jail. A lot of them and who have kind of turned themselves around and are. Somewhat, you know, mentors in the, in the community, um, they help. They do a safe passage for the children to make sure they can get back and mm-hmm. forth to school safely. They um, intervene when there are you know, fights or trouble that's happening in the community or there's word that something's going to go down. They're usually in the street. So there's a phenomenal group of black people that, mm-hmm. that do this. They're called New- Newark Community Street Team and mm-hmm. um, credible messengers. You know, if Trump for example, came into my community and said, yes, I want to help you, right? Or you came in my Mm. community and said, yeah, I want to help you. You're a credible messenger to me. Mm. I, I can identify with you. You look like me. You talk like me. You dress like me. And so I'm going to be more inclined to believe you. So some of these people have lived a life that many of the people in the streets are living right at that moment, though they've turned things around. And so they're the credible messengers that are out there. And I'm saying all that to say, they, they've they been operating for some years now, but they're going to add another layer, level or layer to what they offer, which I feel really excited about. They're um, offering professional counseling services, but they're also going to be offering uh, or expanding to open like a spa right there in oh, the see? middle of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be for meditation, for massages, for all kinds of like healing treatments that are like non what they think is non-traditional healing treatments they're going to be offering that that is typically not offered to us so that's i I, was, I just want to put a shout out it's not happening just yet but it's right on the horizon
0: new work on the come up yep. <laughs> yeah the, i think credible messengers that sounds the opposite of white savior so i like that word huh. a lot credible messengers instead of white saviors that's what we need yes. um so while you're speaking the idea of mindset came up and we'll go into trauma after this, but I just did want to highlight what you were saying about how we even think about yoga and things like that, that that's something for higher class white women, they do that, hippies do that. Um, That's a mindset. Mm -hmm. So it's a mindset that keeps us away from healing practices. And I just wanted to highlight that and you can probably Mm -hmm. attest to it, but in my idea, um, we get these mindsets because of what we have experienced. So they're not necessarily mindsets because it is true, but it's because what we it is what we have experienced in our lives. And I think that um, a lot of times human beings, we like to be stuck and sedentary in our mindsets. But I do want to encourage us to be more uh, open to ideas, open to new information once we receive it so that the mindsets that we have can grow instead of being sedentary because something that does not grow is dead. So we don't wanna have a dead mindset. And when we get new information such as yoga, meditation, doing different things that can be positive for us, especially when it comes to the black community and health, let's not say, ah, that's for those those white people. Have you tried it? Because all it takes now is for you to go on YouTube, look up a video, try something, even if you don't try it, learn more about it, look up the history, and you will find how yoga came from African culture, not Asian culture. Um, we taught it to Asians uh, so you know it takes uh, an open type of mindset and a mindset that is yearning for growth instead of a mindset that is stuck in its own ways um, to be able to open the door to healing if we have never tried it before uh, So I
1: saw that. you you talked about the mindset and the mindset being something that because of how our experiences mm-hmm. but I also want to point out and not neglect the reality that our mindsets are also very much prescribed and conditioned. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Our mindsets are prescribed and conditioned for us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, yeah, of course it has to do with our experiences, how we come up and, you know, and all of that. But, um, so that, that is an important piece because often we look at our conditions and there's so much self-blame. Oh, yeah. We blame ourselves. Mm-hmm. We we condemn ourselves. We hate ourselves mm-hmm. because of the condition that we're in. And it's important to, I, I find it important to always point out and remember that we're in this condition because we were put in this condition. Mm-hmm. Not because we're deficient and defective in any type of way, but yeah. we are always up against a game that is rigged mm-hmm. against us. And so I just want to... Add that to what you were saying you
0: know, I'm, I'm glad you did because that's actually a point I lost in what I was saying I wanted to wrap mindset around system um, So the mindsets we have Are due to the systems that we have Been offered right and we see those Systems breaking down which is why things Programs are being implemented by Credible messengers And um, people within our communities And actress and way. The system that we have had that have told us That black people don't do yoga Those are breaking mm-hmm. down Because in private school, my private school that I had, that not every black person has access to, I had a yoga club. Black people didn't go to the yoga club. It was weird. Um, But they didn't market it to the black students. Yeah, Yeah, I joined it late. Um, But I did join it, and it was weird. But you know, my other friends that weren't black (laughs) told me to come and join it. And that was my first experience no at high school really that's what i thought you were talking about at first yeah i don't know that but that was something you know they didn't market it to the black students the black students knew about the track team the basketball team the little practice team that they had but they didn't market yoga club to black students the book club was not marketed to black students um so there are certain things that the system portrays so in our mind we grow up to know book reading books is not for black people yoga is not for black people so these are systematically implemented in our minds Um, so thank you for bringing that up because I don't want to blame us but I do want to encourage us to recognize these things and to actively heal open to actively open our mindsets to actively strive for further knowledge to actively be open to trying new things and then beginning to heal ourselves so that we can heal our communities Because as J. Cole said, the only real change starts between or within me and you. Um, So we got to start by healing and changing ourselves. But let's get into this word. I'm excited about this word. Trauma. And I know you're excited about I this do. word. A lot of your work is about trauma. So I did want to start it by opening up with the, a couple definitions of trauma that I got. Number one, from APA.org, which is the American Association of Psychologists. Mm-hmm. Um, so trauma, according to the APA, trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, rape, or natural disaster. Immediately after the event, shock and denial are typical. Longer term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. That's one definition. Okay. That was an extreme definition to me. Yeah. It didn't really cover what yeah. I wanted and what you teach about trauma is. So another definition I got from a website called integratedlistening.com says that trauma is the response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event that overwhelms an individual's ability to cope, causes feelings of helplessness, diminishes their sense of self, and their ability to feel the full range of emotions and experiences. I think that is a more fitting definition of trauma and a more relatable definition of trauma, um, what APA gave is what I learned in class, but mm-hmm. then I also learned doesn't really fit the whole scope of trauma. Right. That, that kind of fits physical trauma, I guess. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. But, so I, both of them
1: kind of disturb me. I think the second mm-hmm. one is a little more broad, but they're still quite circumscribed to me. Um, both of them are predicated upon some extreme thing. Mm. And when you couch trauma in that way you're really eliminating a a whole sphere of trauma, particularly trauma that that we deal with, Mm -hmm. which is that kind of like Mm subacute everyday experience of, um, you know, well, what we call microaggressions, Mm -hmm. right? Those are not the only types of uh, traumas that are excluded from that, but that's an example of what would not fit in that definition. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I, the, definition that i prescribe to is a definition given by SAMHSA. don't make me say what SAMHSA stands for i think yeah, it's fine. substance abuse mental health google it Associ- yeah google it um it's national but anyhow SAMHSA uh, has a definition that's uh predicated upon there being kind of three elements to trauma they call it the three e's it's easy to remember mm-hmm. there's some sort of event an experience and an effect; those are the three E's. They say that there is some sort of event that happens. Now it could be a, a out-of-the-ordinary type of extreme event, or mm-hmm. it could be a sub being, you know, bullied in school. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's an event. That's an event that people have an experience of. And if there's a long-term effect, now you're looking at trauma. Mm-hmm. And what do we mean by long-term effect? We mean there's some sort of lasting impact on emotional psychological spiritual physical well-being as a result of the event
0: Mm. thank you for that that makes more sense me too to me too yeah because i know that i've experienced trauma in my life but reading the these definitions i I haven't experienced that i can't relate to that except for perhaps the second definition overwhelms the individual's ability to cope or causes feelings of helplessness diminishes their sense of self yeah Yeah. I believe that you know uh, we don't recognize those ideas though Mm -hmm. so that could be something perhaps that happens but I think when it comes to everyday trauma that we experience the critical thing about it is we don't realize it we do not realize that we've been through trauma until something happens Mm -hmm. or something is evoked from us and we're like where did that come from right which is the importance of seeking healing um, but bringing it to this social media thing Do you have social media? I do I have social media I have four I Instagram they... accounts I have You have four Instagram? Four Instagram accounts Four Instagram accounts I'm not hiding anything I just have one for photography One for the podcast One personal One for this blog Travel blog I was going to create That I still might do one day If we're allowed to travel one day Americans are blocked from every country in the world Are we? <laughs> Well, we can go to Jamaica. We're some we can go to, but countries are not trusting Americans for for good reason. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. (laughs) But I have four Instagrams. I have a Facebook with three or four Facebook pages. I have Tumblr. I have all of these things that you've never heard of, right? I got Twitter. Twitter is the most stressful. But (laughs) why is Twitter the most stressful? Twitter, just people just get on Twitter to just do they there's no point it's just yeah twitter is just interesting i get on twitter to post the minister's quotes and i try not to look at my timeline because it's a lot Mm. um but i wanted to bring it to the conversation of social media we're both well versed and i'm a little more weller versed (laughs) those aren't words but you know what i'm describing um do you think that it can be unhealthy and it can cause trauma now that we have the idea of trauma event Mm. Um, experience and, and effect. Effect. Uh, we know trauma is that. Do you think it can cause trauma to constantly be bombarded with bad news on social media? Absolutely. Um, and and it, just with that little
1: definition that we gave, there's an event, there's an experience of the event, and then there's some sort of lasting impact. I can recall when, you know, we've been seeing these police killings and you know the brutality for a while now but when Sandra Bland died that impacted me Mm -hmm. that and I think it's because she was someone I can totally relate to this is a black woman who was a professional black woman Mm -hmm. and like aren't we exempt Uh, you know is this not a black male thing aren't we the exempt ones whoa it happened to me Mm -hmm. so like that is what I experienced. It had a lasting effect. So we're, what we're looking at essentially is vi- what we call vicarious trauma. Mm-hmm. And vicarious trauma is trauma that you didn't experience it directly, but you were uh, a, either a third-party witness or you heard about it or some other way that it affected you and it and you're responding to it. Mm. And so um, that's what, there are loads of articles right now written about all that we're seeing because we're looking at people literally die on camera now they're 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 taking last breaths and they're dead and we're still looking at them on camera and we saw them into that transition like that is not something we've been seeing before that is traumatic and especially when that person looks like you one of the things I believe and I've done some research on this that really mediates that vicarious trauma is empathy Mm. And so when you look at the, an example that I use, you know, when I look at, you know, white people like to do like uh, um, groin kick things like that. If you look at what? <laughs> what is that show that Jerry watched all the time? But ridiculousness. Oh, they like to kick each other in the groin. It's always everything is about groin. Yeah, oh, they think it's on, when somebody yes, gets in the groin. A, yeah, such that's such a funny true. thing for yes. white people. <laughs> it is. And so you know, so I can look at that show and uh, and be like, oh wow, I know that probably hurts, but a man can look at the same thing and be like, mm. ooh, right, like because I empathy mm-hmm. it's something about that I connect with that person that's a man I'm a man I know what that feels like mm-hmm. and so when you're looking at someone and they look like you or they look like your mother or your father or your daughter or your brother or, or cousin right there's a an, an um factor of empathy that ha- that really just connects you with that and so it is as though you had the experience yourself the symptoms of vicarious trauma are the symptoms of trauma mm-hmm there's no difference Mm -hmm. except the vehicle or the means by which you have the experience Mm -hmm. so point being um your question was i I, i'm trying
0: not to go on and on but your question was you i mean can you
1: absolutely you can
0: yeah i think um that can speaking from my experience uh i try to limit my attention that i give to police killings and white people killing of our people online i don't like seeing the videos but when i saw george floyd's video because it got so big i had to look at it eventually i watched it and then i kind of went i spiraled into watching more videos because that's linked to new things and even the algorithms on social media it likes to keep your mind in a spiral Mm -hmm. in a circle to where you're, you're, if you see George Floyd's video, you're gonna see Ray Brooks. You're gonna see Ahmaud Arbery, and you're gonna see people's commentary on hmm. it, and then you're gonna see people crying about it, and then you're gonna see videos from before, then you're gonna see pictures of Ayanna Jones and Sandra Bland, and then you're gonna see Breonna Taylor, and then, you, and it brings Jeez, you into this loop and circle. And I got stuck into that loop and circle for about <laughs> a week to where one day, I was just like, I I can't. I had to watch uh, an entire thread on Twitter of white people getting punched in the face after they did and said racist things to black people. And the black people whacked off on them. I had to watch that, that to that feel to better. It, out. Yeah, it made me feel better because I was feeling like this anger and something inside. I and I was like, up. what is happening? What's going on? And then I searched for it. <laughs> I searched for white people That's getting punched in the face and getting getting told off after they said something racist because I needed to see us win, I guess. But I was like, wow, this is having an effect on me. And for a couple days, I had to just nope, no social media, hmm. put the phone down. Because me, you, and probably a lot of other people, the first thing we do in the morning, what's going on? And it's not positive what's going on, especially for us and seeing ourselves. And even even bringing it outside of Black Lives Matter and black issues, even bringing it outside of that, um, it's always an issue. There's always something wrong happening. Breaking news. Every day when we get on Facebook, something happened. Something about unemployment something about coronavirus oh it's spiking again and you can literally feel the anxiety and you can feel the anger and the fear building up in you because of what um the news and social media puts into our heads and our minds um so i agree that yeah it is traumatic to just get on social media every day it's traumatic i don't watch the news Mm -mm. to me you're playing the same thing 24 7 I heard about it already, got the information. I do not need you to scare me. So I'm I don't watch the news. I listen to my NPR podcast in the morning. It's a 15, 20 minute thing about what's going on, what's happening today, updates from before. That's it. That's all that I need. Help? Oh yeah. What? Because I, I got to a point in my life where I was like, okay, I need to be aware of what's happening in the world, but I hate the news. What can I do? So I think I actually asked somebody and I think Camille told me about npr's um podcast where they have a daily podcast um every day um or it used to be just monday through friday now they do it every day um since coronavirus and it's just about 20 minutes updates what's going on is is it the
1: visual element that makes it more palatable that there's no visual element to that and you're just Mm. hearing about because you're still learning about all the bad things. Mm -hmm.
0: So why is it different? It's different for me because they give... They try to keep it factual. When they report, they're not emotional with it. They just report what's happening... What's uh, going on if they're up, yes. Yeah, they don't sensationalize it. It's not about the shock factor. They're trying uh-huh. to report in a little window of time. This is what's happening. This is what's happening. Remember, we said that yesterday. Well, this is the update to it. Uh-huh. Thanks for listening to NPR news. Do do do. That's and it's yeah. perfect because I know what's going on in the world. If there's something that struck me, I can now Google it and research it. And I get an idea of what's happening without the shock value, without the shock va- factor. All of my news, I told you, all of my news from coronavirus was from podcasts. I did not turn on the news because I tried it, and I said, oh, no. First of all, all they're saying is they don't know what's happening. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's happening. I don't need to listen to it then i listen to podcasts i listen to bill nye i listen to um dope labs which is a podcast, has a podcast bill yeah nye? bill nye has a podcast i listen to dope labs which is a podcast um one of the girls name is tt but it's two black women scientists um who have a podcast they spoke about wow. coronavirus and the updates and they broke it down what a virus is same with bill nye I listen to npr news they spoke about numbers um, yeah, I listened to all of these things instead of being continually shocked by the news and on Facebook. Facebook was... What? Facebook was horrible when coronavirus first broke out. Yeah, yeah. I did not want to be there. I deleted the app, I think. A lot of confusing
1: <clears throat> reports and misinformation. Yeah, it was a mess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a mess. Yeah, but to not, you know, get stuck in that. But that's all to say yes, I agree. I have, like, personally experience the trauma of media social media especially but media to make it more general about not only black issues but all issues (laughs)
1: yeah
0: it's it's traumatizing the way that they relay information to us because it's not relaying information it's literally about shock value it's supposed to traumatize you so that you keep going back to it um, because that's how they make money so it's it's interesting and what i want to get into Ascended on this note we spoke about yes social media is traumatizing yes uh the things that we see every day is traumatizing let's talk about healing and we can be personal you can speak professionally if you want to but i want to speak about self-healing what kind of practices can we put in place to mm-hmm. self-heal from the daily traumatization that we put ourselves under and are put under from media um first i want to give the definition of healing For the audience and this definition is from dictionary.com and it says as an adjective healing is curing or curative prescribed or helping to heal growing sound getting well mending and as a noun healing means the act or process of regaining health so I want to highlight that definition because when we speak about healing that means something needs to be put into practice because healing doesn't happen in one day, healing doesn't happen in one moment, but it's a practice because it is, it is going to continue. Healing has to continue in order to lead to health. And health is the goal. Health and wellness is the goal. But there has to be a practice implemented and to be made systematic, which black people are afraid of systems. But we need to implement systems in our own minds, in our own practices. Because that's... Systemic racism might be reason. But. I mean, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> systemic racism. But why be afraid of Stay systemic system. racism?s How we? How about we create our own systemic blackness? Okay.
1: <laughs> we had that. They destroyed it. But. Okay,
0: but let's recreate it. <laughs> but yeah, I get you. Okay. Not blaming our people, but we gotta get it together. Um, so we we should create systems. Of healing because we've we've created systems of killing ourselves. We created systems of checking social media every morning. I have it, but we also have to create systems of healing so that we can eventually get into health, um, so that we can be a healthy group of people and a healthy Black community. Um, so, we'll start with you. What are some positive or healing practices that we can do at home during quarantine or now that things are opening up what are some things that we can access to heal the daily trauma of media daily trauma
1: of media okay so actually I think you did a better job than I could or would (laughs) have in terms of talking about it I think you, you hit every nail that needs to be hit I mean number one there was a recognition You can't do anything about anything if you don't recognize that there's an impact from it. And it might sound foolish to say that because if I'm traumatized, I know it, but no, a lot of people don't realize it. In fact, this is an example that I often use. I I do uh, trauma trainings with uh, um, police officers in Newark and... um, which are very good. They are excellent. I have to say myself. They, they're they really, it's <laughs> not me. I just right. facilitate, but they're really good. But nonetheless, we have an evaluator and we survey. Um, you know, we do a pre and a post. And part of that pre and post is doing an ACE survey. And I don't need to get into all that, but essentially ACE means adverse childhood experience mm-hmm. that surveys how much trauma was experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. And what we noticed in the course of our Uh, looking at our evaluations, is that it's a two-day training. And so at the beginning and at the end we do the survey, uh, the two days are one week apart. One would assume that there's not been a whole lot of trauma that would happen within one week, (laughs) Uh right? But what we consistently find is that people who endorse none or little trauma in the beginning endorse more or some trauma at the end. Mm. What and so what's... Me? Meaning, so if I said... I, I looked at the survey, I had n- no trauma. Nope, nothing. Mm. At the end, I'm saying I had maybe three items on this list of trauma. Mm. And so, well, what's happening? Did so much happen in that week? Mm. Well, what we believe and what we... You know, what appears to be true is that... It's not that people are having trauma within that week. Is that because in the beginning of the, the training... They didn't understand what trauma was. Mm -hmm. And so without understanding it, they weren't recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And so when we walk them through understanding trauma and understanding what it looks like and how it appears, that's when they can look and reflect and say, oh yeah, there's been trauma. I've been traumatized. And so that is like, to me, a stark example of the the value of recognizing, first knowing, because if you don't know, you can't recognize, right? I guess so you have to kind of know what trauma is and then recognize that it's impacting you. And you did that. So you recognize, whoa, this is doing something to me. And then you did something about it. I have to somehow sever this. I have to, first of all, stop the injury. If I know there's an injury, I have to stop the injury. Um, And then I have to do some healing. I think maybe more critical piece, particularly when you're talking about trauma, is prevention. Mm. And you can't always prevent trauma. Things happen suddenly. You don't know about it. Um, But then there are these everyday things, these everyday experiences that we have that we can do some things to prevent, i.e. news. Mm. We we don't have to be subjected to the trauma of this news, and and we see that the it's deliberately designed that way, uh, definitely reducing what we look at. Um, right now, we're in a society where we get news fast, we get it in abundance, so you know we if it, there's it's out there everywhere we look social people are on social media we get it from our phones we get it from our TVs we get it from our radios we get it every there's no way where you're going and you're just kind of like insulated from this when i was young i think we had what five channels <laughs> and if you weren't sitting in front of one of them five channels you weren't getting it for the most part so um, I'm somewhat exaggerating but you know there was Bat radio and word of mouth worry. word of mouth and, yeah exactly it's newspaper not in your hand. but <laughs> right it's not with you 24-7 the news is meeting us there are a lot of uh, who don't turn on the news don't look at the news but right, even if you're one of those people you're still gonna get it mm-hmm. because it's everywhere where you live so, gotcha. so all these things considered um, you gotta kind of know what's going on and then recognize we, you know this where's it all coming from? How can I insulate or protect myself from further injury? Um, So narrowing the streams of information that you, you know, you don't have to get on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and da, 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 right? Or maybe you want to limit. I don't want to go on most, many people go on several times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to go on every day. Maybe you want to reduce um, the visual content, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I, I, I saw that someone got killed yet again, but I'm not looking at the video. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to look at the video. So you have to do some introspection to recognize what about what's going on is creating this effect. Mm-hmm. What is, what is bothering me? Because I mean, I could sit here and prescribe, well, just do this. And that ain't really what's going to help you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also incumbent upon the person to, um, do some introspection on what is it what, what's affecting me where is it coming from and then okay this is what I can do now to resolve it mm-hmm. and also recognizing to my last point on this in terms of healing um, so that is alleviating but that's not necessarily healing mm-hmm. right so I can alleviate the injury but then now we have to heal from the injury mm-hmm. um, and then the healing aspect of it there's often a going back Sometimes I think there are probably some cases where just alleviating, well, alleviating the injury or the the pain, and then allowing time to pass can heal. Mm. But I think a lot of times there's a process where you have to go back and you have to do some deliberate work to create and get to the point of healing. Mm. And so um, that that I think. You know, I think depends upon what the person is experiences or experiencing and so forth um, makes a difference there. And then my final, final point uh, on healing <laughs> is that healing, I think we have to recognize or look at it or understand it not necessarily as an end point. Hmm. Because healing is, if, is until the day we die, I think we'll eternally be in an effort and a process toward healing because every day that we live we might and likely will encounter something that is kind of impacting us spiritually emotionally psychologically physically that we have to heal from so um, I, I don't think there there's a point at which you heal like period it's over done I think we're always going to be in some sort of dynamic process of
0: healing at some level. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why the goal is to have a healthy lifestyle, not to be just healed. Right. <laughs> so I think, you know, I like to put things in steps. Okay. So I put these in steps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what do we come up with? Because when we speak see, about this. the <laughs> the steps toward healing, right? So the first thing you said was prevention. So things that we could do are to refrain from using social media every day or all the time. And I think what's most critical to me, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is extremely critical. If you the first thing you do when you wake up is to turn on your phone, you're going to have a stressful day. I do it all the time, and I do it to myself. <laughs> Yikes. All the time. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have a stressful day. Um, so maybe just preventing doing something, brushing your teeth before you get on the phone. Things like that could take your mind from the direct attention of social media um those are practices i've put in place that reside in prevention um for those of us who have businesses on social media we have to get on every day we have to show our face we have to make a post so that we keep our audience or we will lose our audience and we lose business so some things I've heard from Brother Ben X, who's like a mogul on social media, he has a digital real estate class that I'm in, shout out to him, check, out it. check it out. Um, some things that we could do is instead of getting on and scrolling through the timeline, let's just get on and make our posts, respond to messages. We can get on, we can make our posts, but let's not inundate our minds with the timeline. Or we can be very selective with what we follow as well, which is another practice, practice of prevention I put in place. Um, moving on to the introspection, I'm really good at introspection. <laughs> that's just like I told you, said I did it. Um, so introspection can be hard for people, but that's where the practice of meditation comes into, into place. Um, the practice of yoga comes into place, but introspection I think is very critical to where we can we can take a moment to pause just pause fall into that quietness it feels awkward but that is very critical um then going into the actual healing of course it's important to reflect and to when you reflect to think about the emotions that you have what are what are the emotions that came up was it anger was it anxiety um i don't know if that's an emotion but anxiety fear what was it um, that I felt while being on my timeline today. Um, what was it that I felt when I saw the video of George Floyd? What was it? Um, so reflection is definitely critical and important. And then I think it just needs to go into activity when it comes to self healing, go ahead. I'm sorry, I just wanna, wanna add something to that because
1: of a personal experience that too, that I recently had, and I just know this to be true that <clears throat> sometimes things don't always show up in the moment and especially when it comes to trauma you don't realize when it's happening but you realize something down the line recently uh my husband and I went on we just went for a walk and we started out it was kind of dawn and uh dusk uh, at dusk and it was it got so romantic we and as we were walking, it got dark, and I wanted to walk someplace we hadn't walked before, so I said, let's go this way. And I, so we walked and walked and walked, and it's dark, and we're, like, in this area that we see all these American flags in everybody's <laughs> yard. Everybody's yard. And he's Probably like... near
0: by Milton Lakes.
1: No, we went toward in Colonia oh yep nope yeah exactly (laughs) and he's like be mindful where you're at now like yeah okay and we're walking and i'm like then some white person standing out in front of their house and they looked at us and um they were like you know just watching us and they said hi so we said hi and they stood there until we walked by and then they walked, they were walking from one house across the street, I guess, to their house. I don't know which house was theirs or whatever, but they walked from one house to the other, but they waited until we walked and they kept saying hi. And then the guy said, <clears throat> How are we doing this evening? You know, just what? Oh, <laughs> and I was just so uncomfortable. I kept thinking about Ahmad Aubrey. Then we walked by another house that were they were having a party. I'm like, I do not want to walk by this house because drunk white people in their own territory. Mm-hmm. They're I not. You don't want to be there. And then the third incident was we walked and there were people who were shooting firecrackers and the ones who were, that goes, like that go you point in and it goes. And I'm like, we're gonna walk by these people. And they're gonna shoot had us with firecracker. the firecrackers. I'm good. So anyway, I'm saying those those were the three incidents that occurred um, that really helped me to realize, and it made me do some. I, I got quiet on this when I when I was able to because I did not realize just how not just the trauma from Ahmad Arbery, but I grew up in Staten Island, mm-hmm. Staten Island where. You know, it was ten percent black people, ninety percent Jewish Italians, and they didn't like white black people. Mm-hmm. And I've been chased out of neighborhoods. I've been called nigger. I've been had stone throw, stones thrown at me. Mm-hmm. I so like this was like it was just I guess a retriggering of trauma. Don't always just look in the moments after something, mm-hmm. um, but there needs to be an ongoing spot, I guess check, if you will mm-hmm. check your oil, for if you don't have an oil gauge, right, That you will probably check your oil every now and again just to make sure it's right, mm-hmm. similarly do some introspection um, every now and again not just when you think something's going on, but just every now and again take that moment to introspect so that you can kind of just check in and see what's going on in there, because mm-hmm.
0: so a lot of times stuff is happening and you don't realize it mm-hmm yeah I, I see what you're saying and that's critical too because if you didn't have that reflection on your childhood experiences and that how that affected you being in white neighborhoods perhaps the next time you're in that instance and the man says how are we doing tonight you you can have an emotion that could trigger something to where you have an emotional reaction cops are called and then god forbid there's a story mm-hmm. about you so it, introspection is definitely important because they're What is inside of us triggers the emotional responses that we have. Definitely critical that we are introspective and we think about our experiences and how that affects the situations or how that affects our mindset and our emotions in the situations that we come into. So instead of acting on emotions, we can be more cognizant about what's happening inside of us and how um, our actions are based on that uh, reaction or if we can become more emotionally intelligent and stay within our right mind to be able to interact with the world around us. And we can only do that when we're constantly being introspective and we are constantly in a healing process or something will just explode in us and we won't be able to, to control that reaction. Um, so yeah, thank you. And I think just some specific things that you can do today. Um, And it depends on your interest, but I did want to list some things and I'll let you list some things that I do when I need a day to just relax, to heal. I call my relaxing, I call that healing. Um, Because you you feel when you have the stress, you've been too much on, uh, I need to get my money right, I need to get this right, should I go back to school, should I do that? There's a lot that we can think about. Some days we just need to relax. So I wanted to give a list of some of the things I do to relax. And this starts in the morning because I'm a morning person. For those who aren't, this could start at night and you could be up <laughs> all night. I'm a morning person. I, When I am stressed out, I need to wake up. I will set an alarm for 6 a.m. When I wake up earlier, I have a better day. So one thing I do is wake up early. Um, another thing is listen to podcasts and lectures. I talked about some podcasts. I listen to Minister Farrakhan because he's critical he heals your mind on anything for me oh, nice. um i listen to music typically older music because whatever they do in the studio today they just ruin the feeling that music used to give me um so i listen to older music 90s jams uh, i will listen to korean music so. <laughs> oh
1: that's older i'm sorry i was thinking blue magic and you were saying
0: 90s anyway in my mind but go ahead
1: i, I mean i'm
0: 26 years old 90 I was born in 94 so 90s music okay it's old (laughs) I get it
1: it's all about perspective
0: yep right Mm -hmm. (laughs) but anyway yeah so music older meaning not old I listen to my oldies sometimes but older music meaning there was a different formula in the studio back then (laughs) nowadays everything is computerized everything gonna tweak every single bit of your voice there's no Mm. natural anything in it I like to feel music and you can't feel today's music, whether it's R&B or hip-hop. Um, but sometimes I like to just listen to the music. So I can, I'll listen to Korean music, Spanish music, so I'm not focused on the lyrics. I'm not offended by a certain words, the P word that is in every song. Um, but yeah, I listen to music. Another thing I do is burn incense. I'm really big on scents, smells. So I burn incense, I burn candles. Shout out to Celesta scents. Um... Another thing I do, meditation. We talked about Riz's guided meditation. You Sometimes I just do uh, just like night sounds, meditation, things like that. I, I need to sit outside. When I'm feeling stressed, I need fresh air. So every day, you know, I'm going out and when I say I'm going out, I'm literally Ow. going out. <laughs> I'm going out to sit outside, to be outside, to get fresh air. I love the summertime. Um, Because I need the sunlight, it gives me energy, it relieves my mind. Another thing I do is play video games. There are some days where I just need to be dead mentally. And I sold my Xbox 360 a few years ago. I needed money, but (laughs) I have a Sega Dreamcast here, and I drive over to my cousin's house and I can play uh, PS, the uh, what is the newest? PS4, I think they have. I don't I'm old, none of those so I like older are. games, but they have a PS4. I go play Kingdom Hearts. I can play that literally all day. Sometimes I need that wow. to just be mindless. Great stress relief. Um I also read. Reading is very important to me. Um hanging out with friends, critically important. Writing and journaling. Whether it's a song that I write, a poem I write, or just journal about my day, or just a word or a quote. Writing is very important to me to relax. Um, like I said, waking up early, sometimes putting in headphones, listening to music and going downstairs just to chop vegetables and fruit. I found that's a recent thing I found during quarantine that is relaxing to me. Um, and just taking a lazy day. Sometimes I just sit in the bed all day watching TV. And that can be relaxing, especially when I've had a few days nice. of just working and and um, having my mind going crazy. I just need a lazy day, maybe a couple lazy days, where I just watch sit in the bed. Yep. Um, you could have done this without me, I guess. Huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, mean, those are things that I highly recommend. those That's a really good list. Those are healthy behaviors that help to heal, that help to, you know, get you focused um you said meditation mindfulness the only other thing that i would add to that list Mm -hmm. having some sort of guiding philosophy idea saying principle Mm. that grounds you Mm -hmm. and this would normally be something that transcends the kind of physical academic type of level um this would be something I'm, I'm actually i'm looking at mine right now that i have on the <laughs> wall when the earth is shaking beneath my feet and nothing is right when covid hits and you don't know if there's a tomorrow when you know you're you're know, walking through a neighborhood and you don't know if you're going to get back home or uh, it is so grounding to me it takes me out of any particular moment and it instantly connects me with allah
0: Go ahead and read it to us.
1: I can recite it. I
0: oh. Can, I <laughs> need to, I I'm going to make sure time. she doesn't look.
1: I, it is, <laughs> I came from Allah and to him is my eventual return. Therefore, neither trial nor misfortune can disturb the course of my life, which is about a much higher goal than mere comfort. Come what may, the contentment of my mind is never disturbed.
0: That was pretty on point. She did it. It puts me
1: in a direct connect to recognizing I came from somewhere and I'm going somewhere regardless. There's nothing that can happen between point A and point B can disturb that course. Mm. And then it also reminds me that course is not intended to be comfortable and cushy for me. That course may be you know, disruptive, it may be upsetting, but the contentment of my mind can't be disturbed unless I let it. Mm -hmm. The contentment of my mind will always be sound. And when I step into that space, that understanding, it grounds me no matter what's going on. And I think that's you know, again, probably different for different people. You really have to make it yours. You have mm-hmm. to own that. And you, it, you know, what works for me, it may not work for you. But doing something that really grounds you in the midst of when the world is upside down, what keeps you right side up? Have that thing in your pocket at all
0: times. Mm. I think that's that's powerful and that's real. Cause I used to use yours, cause you taught us that oh. the contentment of my mind is never disturbed. So I used to recite that, but that doesn't ground me. But I couldn't find what grounds me until I went through my thing that turned my world upside down. And I think my saying that grounds me because I learned from you. So my power or the power to me is in words. Um, But the thing that grounds me is you decide. Is you decide. Mm. And that goes back to it's represented in that meme we may have seen on. Uh, instagram or something where it says you decide and has a smiley face with the dots on each side of the parentheses one is smiling one is frowning um that idea but to me it started with the cup half full or cup half empty when i learned about that middle school whenever i learned it that has always stuck with me and i always wanted to be the person to see the cup half full life is going to happen life happens but it doesn't have to happen to me i can decide what life is um, so it, it coincides with the contentment of my mind but I think you decide is definitely my grounding statement um, so you you definitely have to figure out what your ground grounding is you might change it as you go through our life and have new experiences but that thing always brings you back to your center and that's what's important so it has to touch your heart mm. um, so yeah this has been a great conversation I do want to end it um, but yeah <laughs> we could go on and on because literally this is she went for what 20 years in this field <laughs> so she can go on and on um so thank you all for tuning in i hope that there has been a healing practice that we have shared that has touched your soul i hope you can go after this podcast and think about what grounds you what healing practices you can put in but i did want to offer my mom dr monique swift muhammad the opportunity to to, if you would like to get in contact with her, if you are in the area or online um, and you think that it is, it is time now for you to seek professional help or guide somebody else to professional help, I did want to offer her the space to give her information how you can contact Dr. Monique Swift. So go ahead and do that. Yes,
1: you can reach out to me. Um, at, look on my website is Solutions consultant.com swift solutions with an s consultant.com uh that's my website and there's a way to contact me that way or you can just call 646-600-8118 i do answer my calls and if i don't answer my call i return all my messages so uh feel free to reach out
0: yep And if she cannot, she doesn't specialize in what you need, then she will definitely refer you to a great network of people. I sure would, because I am currently
1: (laughs) the president of the New Jersey chapter of the Association of Black Psychologists, the bomb, a bomb group of people, uh, really, who kind of, they are us and they understand us and they're for us. And so um, if... I can't help in some kind of way. There's someone in that network who would be able to help or has whatever is needed.
0: Thank you, Ma. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope that you have gotten everything that you need out of this episode of the podcast. This is the last episode. We will be back, inshallah, in November or December with a season two of the Tea Time Podcast with a brand new look, with a brand new... uh, set of set of audience with a brand new set of people to come and be on the podcast and join us um thank you all for being a part of the tea time family thank you all for tuning in i will miss you while i am gone but guess what i have 14 other episodes that you can listen to if you miss my voice Uh, so definitely tune in to those 14 other episodes of the podcast definitely check us out on youtube check us out on spotify check us out on google cast or wherever you listen to your podcast And we will be back another time in a few months. Thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for having us. Good (laughs) interview. Thank you. It's a conversation. Good conversation. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Peace you all.